Hello, and welcome to the Generation 9-11 podcast. On September 9th, 2021, nearly 20 years to the day of September 11th, 2001, 700 attendees joined the New York chapter of the United Federation of Teachers and the law firm of Barish and McGarry, leading advocates for the 9-11 community, for an event to bring awareness to the 9-11 Victim Compensation Fund and World Trade Center Health Program. The narrative around 9-11 victims and survivors is often about first responders and those who bravely showed up in the days after 9-11 to clean up the site of the attacks. We often forget about the youngest members of the 9-11 community, the children who were living and going to school in the area, those who had no choice but to be there in the course of their daily lives. Lila Nordstrom was a high school senior when the Twin Towers fell on 9-11, and now she's an advocate for 9-11 victims, particularly the youngest amongst them. She has appeared in front of Congress alongside Jon Stewart advocating for health care for 9-11 victims, and she was a speaker at the event that day. Here's what she had to say. So my name is Lila Nordstrom. I founded an organization called Sty Health that does outreach and advocacy work for the youngest 9-11 survivors, which is people that were in the schools and were children on 9-11 in the aftermath of the attacks. And um, like you heard in the intro, I was a student at Stuyvesant High School. I was present on 9-11. But the real um, sort of turning point for the Stuyvesant community, because I was not caught in the dust cloud on the day. I stayed half a block ahead of the dust cloud. The real turning point on for, for members of the Stuyvesant community and for many members of other school communities was the day we came back. So we returned back to school on October 9th. That's less than a month after the attacks. That's in the middle of the cleanup effort. The fires at Ground Zero did not stop burning until the end of January. And school children, ultimately 19,000 public school children as well as private school children, children who were not yet of school age, college age children, or college age adults, we all came back to school at the behest of the federal government at a time that we now know wasn't safe. And so we have faced you know, some of the exposures that people who lived and worked in the area also faced. And we did that before we were old enough to vote, before we were old enough to make any decisions about where we should be. Um, and because of that, we also qualify for care in the World Trade Center Health Program. Um, I wanted to mention one thing that I know other speakers have not mentioned You've heard a lot about you know, the fact that there are very few survivors in the program comparatively, and I wanted to talk for a second about why that is. There's two reasons. One is that you know, survivors have, in general, not had really access to narratives around 9-11 that validated their experience, and I think that's what we're all trying to do here, is encourage you, if you were below Houston Street or in parts of West, you know, that part of that little bit of Western Brooklyn on and after 9-11, to encourage you to feel that you deserve these services and should absolutely take advantage of them. The other is that there is one distinction between the survivor and responder programs that's important to know, which is that you have to be symptomatic to sign up for the survivor program. And I think when people hear that, it sounds like this huge barrier that they have to overcome. Um, and you know, they, they have to be like on death's door in order to be symptomatic which you actually just have to be asymptomatic with one of the conditions that's covered by the program. So that includes things like PTSD and anxiety and depression. It includes things like respiratory issues, asthma, COPD, things like that. It includes acid reflux and GERD. These are all incredibly common conditions in the general population, but they're even more so common in the 9-11 um, population. And then uh, certainly if you have any, uh, you know, if, if you are concerned that you have um, 
any of the other more serious health conditions that are in the program, that also means that you're symptomatic. But that's, I think, an important thing to know going into the program so that you are prepared when, when you uh, do the intake paperwork to advocate for yourself. Um, the getting into the program takes you identifying that you are somebody not just who was in Lower Manhattan. That's you know if, if you if you meet the eligibility criteria, then you qualify, and there there is not a question about that. Um, but also, you need to make sure that you have for health. Well, you need to make sure that if you have not been specifically diagnosed with one of the conditions, you advocate for the fact that you could be or that you are symptomatic with those conditions so that you make sure that you actually get access to this early monitoring and treatment. Um, because I want to make sure that everyone who signs up for the program, as you all should, also has the tools to get into the program and to take advantage of the resources of the program as effectively as possible. Um, so that is um, what you need to know about that. Um, I would encourage anyone who is a part of the survivor community to try to let go of some of the narratives around for heroes versus just bystanders and just give themselves permission to feel that they deserve these resources and should absolutely have access to them. We were all wrong in, you know, and we were all wronged by the federal government. So we were all wronged by the same source. The, the programs are predicated on the misinformation that the EPA gave after 9-11. They're not predicated on the fact that a terrorist attack occurred in the first place. So we have just as much a right to these programs as responders, as emergency workers, as anyone else, and we should feel that we're entitled to take advantage of them. Um, and so I hope that all of you will look into them for that reason. Congratulations on your book. How do you get your book, by the way? Where can you order it? Available wherever books are sold. Amazon Bookshop, Barnes & Noble. Is they have another Barnes & Noble down here? Again, what is the name of the book? called Some Kids Left Behind, and it's the story of Stuyvesant High School on 9-11 and the advocacy work that it took to get us included in the World Trade Center Health Program on DCF. Thank you. Oh, and by the way, for those of you who don't know, Lila was on, I hope I'm not going to embarrass you, but Lila actually testified before Congress when we were trying to get the Victim Compensation Fund permanently extended. And those of you, I know all of you remember John Stewart, you remember his emotional plea to the congressmen and senators there? Well, not as famous, but just as important was Lila speaking for the 50,000 students. I was the only survivor there. I, had, I was speaking for all 400,000 survivors because okay. there were so, other survivors on that floor. Well, thank you so much. And remember, if you lived, worked, or went to school in Lower Manhattan, south of Canal Street, any time between September 11th, 2001 and May 30th, 2002, you are eligible for the World Trade Center Health Program and possibly the Victim Compensation Fund. You can sign up for yourself or you can contact Barish and McGarry and they can help you through the process. Be sure to follow the podcast at Gen911Pod on Twitter to stay updated on any future episodes. You can listen to us wherever you find podcasts and we'll see you next time.